That's beautiful. Good morning and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths. Today's World Communion Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. Thank you to those that are listening to the podcast. Um, pause for a second. World Communion Sunday means we're gathering around this table with our brothers and sisters across denominational lines, across country border lines. Um, Focusing right here on each one of us needing Jesus. Amen? I got a couple announcements for us. First one is Los Ranchos Presbytery met. I was just, I want to praise God. Round of applause or something. I don't know, like one clap or something. I don't know what we should do. But Los Ranchos Presbytery met. On our campus this Thursday, uh, they, we're the only ones with a with a tent, so we kept the tent up a little extra longer, and uh, they gathered from all around Los Ranchos area, that's all over Orange County, even dipping into L.A., and to think, um, I was under care of the Los Ranchos Presbytery for 12 years. I don't, everybody's not very shocked by that, but... Presbyteries do not like people that are under care of them for 12 years. <laughs> like I was probably their least favorite child. You know, like, uh, like the, yeah, anyway, the guy that's always breaking the rules and moving around the country, not even worrying about getting ordained. And to think that they gave this, you know, ruffian or misfit, we, they had to meet at my place, and I was like, yes, Lord, thank you very much. I don't know if it's, it's kind of, there's an evil twist in there, but uh, pray for me. Anywho, let's praise God for that. Um, we got a new members class coming up. We're going to do it a little different. We're going to do it at one of the, I've served at several churches. We're going to do it the San Marino style, San Marino uh, Community Church, which is a Presbyterian church up in San Marino. They do a class on Saturday. They gather the elders on Sunday at 9 in the morning, right before service. And so you become a new member in a weekend. Bam! And you get breakfast and lunch. So October 23rd, which what's the Sunday? The 22nd? 23rd is the Saturday. Perfect. So the 23rd, be here, sign up. And if you want to be a mentor... Like if you want to be, if you've been around here for a while, even if you don't want to be a mentor, just uh, if you feel like you need to be a mentor, just because you maybe, uh, you've probably heard this a bunch of times. I was at a church in Mississippi and this uh, African-American pastor was saying, if something annoys you about your church, that's God calling you to do that thing. (laughs) So if you say to me, I don't like the worship band, you are on the worship band. If you say to me, I don't like how I wasn't really welcomed, you are a mentor, okay? Put your name on there. Yeah, give me your digits. And so you'll be hearing from me on the 24th, and you'll be paired up with anybody that's joining the church. Um, 23rd, 24th, got it. 24th is also Jane Werner's memorial service. And that's another, reminds me another praise report. Phyllis Smith, we honored her life and ministry yesterday, and this place was jam-packed, and we were all praising God that um, 
she showed so many of us how to walk into the kingdom triumphant well, right? I remember her pulling me aside on one Sunday, knowing that she was going to be with a king soon, saying, Jason, anything you want me to tell your mom? I'm like, that's, that's how you do it. That's what this place is about, you know? We, a bunch of broken people finding a, a wounded healer, Jesus the Christ, and going through life and death together. Um, there's also mixed jars. My wife made 60 gallons of soup. So after the service, uh, none of it's going home with me, okay? Nobody leaves. No leftovers, okay? Um, we got soup and also pre-order the jar thing. Um, and then we'll hear more about Operation Christmas Child later in the service. Um, would you stand with me? As I call us into the presence of God and into this worship service, I'm going to use the, the psalmist word. The psalmist words from Psalm 8, verses 1 through 3. And I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. You have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. This kind of praise has power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. Let's worship the Lord.
This is for a boy between 9 and 11. I'm in a place called Katakosh, just outside of Mosul. This is a, a church that was completely destroyed uh, by ISIS. As we were coming through, one of our team uh, discovered one of the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. I don't know who gave it, who sent it, but uh, it touched the life of a child at one point. And of course, we ask people when they pack a box to always pray. You never know where that box will go. Where are the lost? Where are the hardest to get to people groups? Where has the gospel of Jesus not been preached and proclaimed? In Acts 13, 47, for so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We live in a broken world, an evil world. Yet Jesus gave us orders. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a job to do. When we talk about going to the ends of the earth, we're talking about shoebox gifts that are taking the gospel to the hardest to reach areas of the world. If you want to bring hope to a broken society, it's the gospel. An Operation Christmas Child is not about passing out toys. It's about the gospel. Each kid, when they receive that box, they're going to hear the presentation of the gospel clearly. They make a decision for Christ, and then they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We're in the South Pacific. I want to reach these islands for Christ. These are the core areas. People don't have any hope. People don't come here. There's no tourists here, but we're going to be here. I'm right outside of Mazlan, Mexico, about six-hour drive up in the mountains with Operation Christmas Child. This is where people that are brave are taking Operation Christmas Child to the ends of the earth. We need boxes that are packed by families, by churches and groups, but we also need boxes that are packed online. When you build a shoebox online, these are the boxes that give us access into hard-to-reach places of the world. We go at great lengths, great effort, to take these boxes to children in the most remote parts of the world. It's an incredible journey. You know, the mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are coming to faith. Children are being discipled. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Yeah, clap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, good morning. There are so many things I love about that video, but one of the main takeaways for me was the quote, it's not just about passing out toys. That's not what Oper Operation Christmas Child is about. It's part of it, but it's about evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. And each shoebox is called a go box, not just because they're going places, but it stands for gospel opportunity. And every shoebox that goes to a child can change that child's heart and turn them to, to love Jesus Christ. And then they tell their parents and their siblings, their neighbors, and their stories about how churches have been planted because of one small shoebox. So I really encourage everyone to participate in this 
really extraordinary ministry. We've got empty shoeboxes out in the narthex. Or like they said in the video, if you'd prefer, um, building a shoebox online has been a, a really great thing that's come up. or it's, it's been in place, but it really took off, obviously, during the pandemic. And they need those shoeboxes built online for those hard-to-reach countries where governments may be um, resistant to ministries like Operation Christmas Child. So that's two ways you can um, participate. And then this after, I mean, after service today, we are also going to have a packing party in the fellowship hall. So you can pack a shoebox there, and then we will take care of getting it sent um, on, its, on its way. Um, just a couple of other things. Uh, shoeboxes that are physically packed, um, I'd like for them to come back on Sunday, November 14th. Uh, we'll put all the shoeboxes up here on the steps and then our children and um, students will pray or lead us all in prayer over the shoeboxes as they begin their journey. So that's Sunday, November the 14th. And then on Monday, November 15th, we will um, open our doors again, PCC, and serve as a drop-off location during National Collection Week. So that's November 15th through the 22nd. So just uh, check with me on you know, the times if you'd like to volunteer, because we need volunteers to pray with people, pack cartons. It's, it's quite a week, but it's, it's really, really rewarding. You get to meet some really nice, interesting people from the community and, and share stories and sometimes cry. And it's just a, it's like I said, it's a really special week for all of us. So like I said, if you have any questions about Operation Christmas Child, please let me know. I'd be happy to help you. And um, like I said, hopefully you can pack a shoebox, either a physical one online or join us in the fellowship hall today and uh, pack a couple in there. Okay. Thank you. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Let us confess our sins against God and neighbor together. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O oh Lord, have mercy upon us. Forgive those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy and just Amen. This is the covenant I will establish, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness, and they will remember their sins no more. Hear the good news. In Christ Jesus, we are forgiven.
give life, you are love, you bring a light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord, it's your
So wrong. I wonder if I should be up here. I'm, hopefully, I don't kick down any flowers or anything. I feel you. Good to see everybody. Um, we're going to take a break from our Roman series and we're going to join in with the lectionary text. If anybody doesn't know what the lectionary text is, I'll, I'll briefly explain. Does everybody know what the lectionary text is? That way, I don't have to. Mark says no. Okay, I'll explain it. To it's a text with, a, it sounds very serious, very medical, but um, early on, church said, hey, we should all be preaching on the same text 
and studying the same text throughout the week as a, as a church, as a united church. And so they laid out like an Old Testament scripture, a psalm, um, a gospel, an epistle uh, for every day of the year. And there's year A, B, C, D. I think there's, is there, that's D, right? That's the last one. There's only three? A, B, C. Okay. Good job. Thank you very much, Sharon. Pop quiz. You didn't know you were going to get quizzed this morning. That's wonderful. And so, there's a, what year are we this year? A or B or C? We're one of those three. And the church worldwide is studying Hebrews. That's the Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and 2, 5 through 12. So, we're joining our brothers and sisters studying this text this morning. Isn't that kind of nice? Yeah. A little bit about Hebrews. Um, it's very unique. It's a very unique piece of literature out of Scripture. Most of the New Testament is written at a, like a 6th or 7th grade reading level, except John. The Gospel of John is written at like a 3rd grade reading level. Simple but profound. Jesus walked up the hill. Jesus saved our souls. You know, like it's straight out. Hebrews, however, is written at a university level. Its, it's Greek is very complex, and it, it's, 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 a, it's a very deep book. Um, unlike, there's the Gospels, and then there's mainly epistles or letters. This isn't that, because we don't know the author. And, and seeing that it doesn't expressly say this is who wrote it and this is who it's to, that categorically puts it in it's most probably a sermon. It's most probably the first sermon written on paper as part of the scripture about Jesus Christ. Um, Although we don't know the author, we do know its major theme and its major, um, and it's written to Jewish people. That's why it's called Hebrews. Um, its ma- major driving point is for everyone in here to focus your eyes on Jesus Christ. Forget everything else. Focus your eyes on Jesus Christ. And he starts with, well, we'll read where he starts. Um, Any questions? I feel like this is a small enough group. It's almost like a small group Bible study, right? I don't know. If you you have a question or a thought or something, you could say, hey, Jay, um, what about this? Anyway, that won't work. Is everybody awake? Am I the only one? I'm kind of, I think I'm dragging because we had that presbytery thing and we did this memorial with like a billion people yesterday. But I think I do my, well, God does his best stuff when I'm exhausted. Amen, right? He shows up and he says stuff rather than me saying stuff. So let's pray. God, show up and say some stuff through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you guys been sitting too long? Good. That's, that's, that's very Justin. That's very Justin of you, Justin. I'm going to read some scripture. Hebrews chapter 1. 
I'm going to read the first four verses, and then I'm going to skip over to two and read five through when it's done highlighting. Twelve. Okay. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world's He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint or character of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Skipping down to 2, verse 5. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but somehow, but someone has testified somewhere, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, or mortals that you care for them? You have made them for a little while lower than the angels and have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in in subjection to them, but we do see Jesus for a little while was made lower than the angels. Now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father for this very reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Like I said, it's a very unique book. And instead of talking practical things, how do you walk out being a Christian? Um, he starts with theology. He starts with the foundation of Jesus Christ and the theology of the Son of God. I think this is foreign to, uh, I know it's foreign to me because I remember that um, there was a big seeker movement. You remember, like, uh, make sure that your church is seeker friendly. Does anybody remember ever see that? Uh, hearing that around churches, make sure it's seeker friendly. That's when like people started playing like contemporary music, like just band, like rock and roll songs, and you know drawing in people like the more young life and the more university that kind of thing. They're just playing stuff that the people like be real seeker friendly. I remember my friend having a shirt that said, uh, "I'm seeker friendly. Water it down for me." <laughs> this is not that. This flies in the face of that. This is, uh, the author of Hebrews 
is knocking this entitlement or this me-centered focus off its rocker and reminding everyone, who's the main subject of this book? God. That was a trick question. <laughs> the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But so everybody who said, you're in a church, I should say, Jesus, you were correct. Because that was one-third of the answer. You know, the triune God is... We often think we're the subject. We often come to this and say, this doesn't answer this. This doesn't answer this. This is about God and why he made us and how he loves us and how we're supposed to relate with that. It flips it, right? And so um, a gangbuster, that first four verses, is just like a fire hose. We're jumping from Romans to Hebrews, and I'm so sorry. You know, part of me wants to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so, so sorry. We need that. But it's all stuff that we should gulp in. What did we learn about Jesus in those first four verses? Look at it. And I want to hear somebody say something. Where was Jesus when God made the world? With him. Same with the Gospel of John, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uyas, the Son. Lagos, the Word. Interchangeable. The Word is God. Jesus Christ was there in the beginning. What else do we learn? Um, this is like a fill in the blank then. <laughs> Who holds this person, blank, holds the world together? Jesus, right? Have you ever seen that movie uh, Thor? What's the one? What's the last one where he holds those things together and he's going like this and there's a sun burning through him or something like that? I get a picture of that. I get a picture of... Not buddy Jesus, but this ginormous Jesus, the same Jesus that was around when trees were made, oceans were made, these fish at the bottom of the sea that we're still discovering were made, the sky was made, the stars were put in their place. That same Jesus wrapping his arms around this creation and saying, mine, I'm holding this thing together. Fill in everything you've learned about how we're in the... Hansel and Gretel? No, that's not the right one. Goldilocks. We're in the Goldilocks of the Goldilocks zone of the universe. Does anybody remember that? Anybody ever heard anything about that? Okay, we're spinning at the exact right speed we need to be spinning. Otherwise, we would float off or we'd be crushed. There would be too much gravity. If we were any further from the sun, we'd be dead. If, like, we'd be a dead, dead planet. If we were any close, we'd burn up and be like Mars and be like 4,000 degrees. We're in this, and Jesus, according to this author, is the reason we're right there. Is everybody with me still? Okay, cool. We've got to move towards the table. Um, anything else? Focus of sun. There it is. Ancient Judaism. All right, this next part. I always wondered, why, why does he bring up angels? And I've never, I never knew until I studied for this sermon. I found out on Thursday, just this week. The reason he brings up angels, and this is Guthrie, he says this, ancient Judaism held 
to the belief that angels had been placed by God over the nations of the world. The basis of this belief went back to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8. And then also later in, later in Daniel 10, 21, and 22, and 12, 1, angels are designated as the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. And Michael is referred to as the great prince who watches over all of God's people. First few chapters of Hebrews, if you keep reading, the author says, okay, this thing is good. Jesus is better. You listen to this thing. You better listen to Jesus or else. There's an urgency and a call and a severity. And the first thing he picks off is angels. And now I know why. Why does he pick off angels? Because ancient Hebrews, ancient Jewish people who he's writing this to, they thought the angels held everything together. They thought the angels were in battle and making sure everything was staying safe. But the author says, no, angels are awesome, but Jesus is more awesome. He holds everything together. And what else, why else is he more excellent than angels? He's unique, yeah. He's creator of angels. Everybody who's at the daytimers, oh, Jim, you, should, you guys should be, have a head start on all these questions because we've talked about all this. Um, one, angels are made. Jesus is the maker. Two, he's made perfect through suffering. How does Jesus being made perfect through suffering make him better? And it's tied with him being, for a little while, lower than angels. Amen. He relates to human beings. If he was... See, the author starts with him fully God. He was there. He's holding this stuff together. He's doing, he is God. Shifts his focus, fully man. Fully relatable. Have you felt alone lately? Yes or no? Me too. The pandemic has really paid a number on me. And it's kind of transformed some parts of me that I thought were me. And there's been some days that I've been like, I don't know if I want to get out of bed. That's how alone I feel. What use is a God that is far off and maker of all this that hasn't felt alone. Pop quiz. Did Jesus ever feel alone? Listen to his words on the cross. He screams out to his dad, where the heck are you? My God, my God, why am I all alone? If you're feeling alone, relate with that. Have you ever felt tempted? Tempted. 
right? <laughs> Mark, oh, I don't feel tempted than anyone in here. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, I didn't mean to throw you out of the bus. Uh, <laughs> was Jesus ever tempted by the king deceiver, by the father of lies? But he stood up. And that made him better than the second, that made him better than the first Adam. And that's another point the author brings up. Um, He's made more perfect. By taking on the fully man character, the death nature of human beings. Have you ever been afraid of death? I was just yesterday. Just thinking about, I'm not going to see Phyllis anymore. What if this is all not Real? What if all this is confi- like? What if it's all made up? Jesus was afraid of death. Was he afraid of death? When do we find that out? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's so afraid of death he starts sweating blood, and he says. God, take this cup from me. But seeing that there's no other way, I have to do this, otherwise Jason Griffiths can't know you, Father. Mike Chase cannot know you. Jen Young can't know you unless I do this. How do I apply any of this? I'll I'll take that the ending section and launch off of that into the application. Because not only does he make us better, uh, he's better than angels in that he's tempted and imperfect human, but he's he's fully God, fully human, relating with us fully human ways. Him doing so makes us brothers and sisters with him. Makes us family. That's what this morning's text ends on. And our application is, look to your right and look to your left. If you claim Jesus as Lord, you along with all the people that are gathered on World Communion Sunday, all around, we're brothers and sisters. We're not just servants. We're not just slaves. We're brothers and sisters. What's the application out of that? Who in here has a brother or sister? Who in here had their parents say, that's your brother and sister. You better, you better treat them way better. Right? Just, uh, I, just uh, I won't name names, but 
one child of mine called another one of my children stupid. And I overheard it, and I said, uh-uh, not in this house. That's your sister or brother. <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah, anyway, I couldn't do that. Who in here has a problem with somebody in our family? Word one from you, from God, through me, to you. Straighten that stuff out. They're your brother, they're your sister. Bigger. Think bigger. What's another application? I'll steal my next one from Carl Bart. He says, the moment, the greatest moment in human history isn't the resurrection, in Karl Barth's opinion. The greatest moment in human history, emphasizing human, underlining human, bolding human, circling around that idea of being fully human, Jesus being fully God yet also fully human, is that moment on the cross where he meets us at our darkest moments of despair and brokenness. And deep, Christ it deep. And everyone in here has suffered. Amen or, or no? Think of that time where you were suffering the most you've ever suffered. For me, my mom had just passed away. My, fa- my grandfather was about to die. And my grandmother was about to die. 2003, I was in a room in Summit, New Jersey. Actually, it was in New Providence, New Jersey, right next to Summit, New Jersey. I was getting out of bed, and it hit me. All of those truths hit me. And I remember folding in half and weeping like a baby. Wood floor, and it had little spaces. You can kind of see down (laughs) to the next level, which is not very safe. And I remember thinking, no one can reach me. My wife coming over, not knowing we're newly wedged, she's putting her hand on me. No, No one can reach me. No one can give me hope. No one can give me a reason to straighten my body, stand up out of this bed, and keep going except one person, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, met me in that space. I heard him say, I've been here, and I'm so sorry. This isn't how it was designed to be. Meet Jesus in your suffering. Cry out for his help. And then I started with it. Theology. 
study God. People in here, you, I'm sure you, you study all kinds of things. I'm trying to restring a classical guitar. Does anybody know how to do that, by the way? It's very difficult. Mark, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm watching this YouTube over and over. I can't get it. I'm thinking, when's the last time I looked at this book and dived into how do I live like I'm doing this YouTube video over and over? And I was convicted. Get to know this book. Get to know the God behind this book by reading this book. Think about this book. Conversate about this book. If it's not in, a, in, your, in your life at all, put it in your life at least five minutes. You might say, ah, it's nothing. It's something. And that's a lot bigger than nothing, right? Different sermon. Same God. Let's continue in worship. Dan, or Micah's going to lead us. We're going to sing Breathe on Me, Breath of God. continue in worship now's the time of the service where we give back to God just a portion of what he's given to us and uh, actually if you're at home listening on the podcast Dwayne we usually do that after but yeah we got... okay we... man the wheels are off the wagon does anybody notice that Cornell takes off and what the heck you guys okay over there yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, this usually happens at the end, but I'm going to put it right up here. And we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And there will be another plate for those of us that are in this service and you want to leave your tithe and offering on the way out. There will be an offering plate back there. And those of you at home listening on the podcast, send your tithes and gifts 
and your offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. I know it was way too fast, Mark, but they'll be able to pause and rewind. Um, I said last week, I was kind of like, I was a little depressed at this moment in the service, and I was saying, like, I, God's going to, who knows where God, I was totally in the wrong. I, as as we, the, the um, what's it called, the covenant call came out, God has been giving abundantly through each and every one of you. Any negative tint that I've ever said should be stricken from the record. I'm praising God that he is taking care of us even during the worst pandemic that's ever hit this country. And I'm praising God for each and every one of you being so faithful to one another and to God and to this this local outpost of God's kingdom. This morning's offering and tithes are now received. We lift our voices. We lift our hands. We lift our lives up to you. We are in offering. Lord, use our voices. Lord, use our hands. Lord, use our lives. They are yours. We are in offering.
today around the world as we were still sleeping, God's people began preparing for worship. They gathered to the sounds of organ, pianos, drums, pipes or stringed instruments, or no music at all. They gathered in huts, storefronts, chapels, grand cathedrals, or on a hillside. Christians celebrate the sacrament of communion in many, many different ways. And you are invited to come to the table in our lovely sanctuary. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't even have to be Presbyterian. You just have to have given your heart to Jesus Christ as Lord. And you are welcome at this table. Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the sacrament of communion shared with Christians around the world. Pour out your Holy Spirit on these elements and on those who partake, that we may be your body and the representation of your covenant in our lives and throughout the world. On this Holy Communion, World Communion Sunday, give us eyes to recognize your reflection in the eyes of Christians everywhere. Give us minds to accept and celebrate our differences. Give us hearts big enough to love all your children everywhere. We thank you for setting a table with space enough for all where we can glorify our Savior, Jesus Christ. The grains have been harvested, the bread has been baked, the grapes have been collected from the vine, and the juice has been pressed. They come together on this table for a holy purpose. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe your blessing on these common elements of bread and juice. Bring us to the table with Christ. Hear us as we declare the mystery that is our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen. On this World Communion Sunday, we remember Luke's words. People will come from east and west, from north and south, 
and sit at table in the kingdom of God. And so we come from down the street, across the country, around the globe. Our breads from around the world remind us of our rich diversity and our oneness in Christ at God's table. Will those bringing bread please come forward? Today, clergy in many lands are lifting up the bread and the cup and using the very words that we use to invite believers to share in the feast. All are reminded of Jesus' words when he gathered with his followers and he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, and do so in remembrance of me. And so we invite you all to take and eat. Take the little wafer from the top of your pod and eat. Because our Lord has said, this is my body. I just preached about how Jesus was made a little lower than angels so that he might, made, might be made perfect through suffering and meeting us in our suffering is that which makes him more perfect as a savior. And on that night, this table is screaming. I want to meet you in your suffering. I want to walk with you through your pain. In the same way, the people gathering around all over the world are, like Sharon said, picking up this bread and saying, this, this is Christ's body broken for you. And then they're lifting up the cup and they're saying, this, this used to be the blood that was spilled on the doorpost, but no longer. Jesus redefined it. And he said, not, no longer is just the Hebrew people that are my people. It's anyone who realizes that I'm the one and only son sent to forgive their sins through faith in the grace of God. And he says, this is no longer that Passover blood. This is my blood. And not just shed for the, the few, but shed for all. Christ's blood poured out for you. And then Paul adds the words, as often as we, we gather around this table and we gather as this community Around the world, everybody, as long as we're all gathering around this world table, we proclaim that our sins are forgiven. And we proclaim not only that, we proclaim that he's coming back for each and every one of us. Now it's the part, peel back your juice, cup thingy.
This is the blood of the Savior. This is Christ's blood poured out for you. Take, drink, all of it. Join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful Spirit. We thank you. We thank you for your Son, Jesus the Christ. We thank you for sending him, uh, sending him for each and every one of us. We thank you for meeting us here and being big enough to meet uh, followers of you, brothers and sisters. Right now, thank you for being big enough to meet us all. Thank you for becoming small enough to meet us each individually. I pray that as we have heard from your word, we've gathered to your word, we've been washed clean, we've gathered around your table. Refresh and renew. Remind us of the new creations in which we are. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you please just put out your hands like this and receive the benediction? May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit Guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from 